Welcome to On Fighting in Thailand, best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. In this episode, I get to talk to Julie Kitchen, the queen of Muay Thai. Julie has been a long-term fighter out of Touch Gloves Gym in the UK. She went on to accomplish a lot in her storied career, which ran from about 2002 to 2012. Her post-career, post-fight career has also been very interesting because she successfully transitioned into a post-fight career. She commentates regularly for Infusion and is involved with the promotional and production side of the company. So she's a real asset to the sport and knows a lot and has done a lot for the sport. Without further ado, the interview with Julie Kitchen. So thank you, Julie, for coming on the show today. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you taking your time out. I know right now you're in Holland, you're busy on work. Uh, so I definitely appreciate you taking your time out. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, so let's get right into things. Obviously, we're going to cover a little bit of your career and the history of UK Muay Thai. You began um, at Touchstone Gym just wanting to lose weight, correct? Yeah, uh, Touch Gloves, it's called. Touch, Touch Gloves, gloves sorry. Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, at the at the time it was a well, it has still now a family run business. So I literally had just had my daughters Amber and Leah, twin girls. Uh, before that, I hadn't done any kickboxing whatsoever. But uh, yeah, I put on a little bit of weight, and I needed some time for myself. And so I went along, just started to train, and fell in love with the sport mm-hmm. instantly. And what was happening at the time in terms of? Uh, fights and I know you you sort of like fell into the fights a bit correct yeah there was um one young guy he was called Sakur and I watched him come through junior go into the adults fighting and I'd seen all the training he'd been putting in um he was a close friend as well so I went along to the show to watch him fight and I just fell in love with the atmosphere and I don't know it was really out of character because I was such a quiet personality and always looking to fade into the background not like be noticed or anything and something out of that show just made me want to have a go at it and yeah it was Ray out of character my parents didn't understand why and my family but you know I just wanted to do it challenge myself and yeah I went in for my first fight uh, with a head guard and shin guards and um, for the injuries and I just, I performed well, I got a win, and my journey started then. In terms of time and uh, what year was that? I I was 21 when I was pregnant, mm-hmm. so I started roughly when I was 22, mm-hmm. and so that was 22 years ago. Yeah, so about 2000, 2000. Yeah, around, my, yeah, around 2000, 2001. Yeah, the girls were born in 99. Your uh, pro career spanned from about 2002 to 2012? Yeah, because in England, it's a little bit different. So you can kind of go straight into pro. Um, My first fight was classed as amateur because of the head guard and shin guards. And then, yeah, like I knew I obviously made mistakes. So I went back to the gym, trade some more. 
went back into the ring, uh, realized I had a lot more things to work on. At the time, I was relying on my boxing because I think I had in my head, like my father and my grandfather were boxers. Um, my grandfather was a uh, welterweight champion of Britain. And I think in my head, I assumed I was a boxer. So I used my boxing a lot. So then I had to go back and revise my kicks in the gym. Always wanted to better myself. So, yeah, I had that kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. And how often were you fighting to begin with? Um, it was whenever I could get a match, really. You know, we're talking quite a few years ago. It was a little bit harder to get mm -hmm. females matched up. And also my location was a huge factor in it because we were so far away from any big cities so i started fighting on the more local shows uh we had um a promoter and he was a friend from a gym as well in Painton torquay howard hughes and karen uzi and i used to fight on their show in the beginning but to try and get on the bigger major shows like in london of course it's always like how many tickets can you sell what's your following because that's how promoters work, isn't it? So mm -hmm. it was always quite of a battle to try and get on the bigger shows, but I would fight whenever I could. Mm -hmm. So what happened in your early career? I know, um, you know, you had a few fights and then you came in late notice for a title fight at one point, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, so um, I previously fought Nikki Carter and Carla Hood, and they was going to match each other at the Wembley Stadium. And it was for Sky Sports. And also John Wayne Parr was fighting, and he was fighting Stephen Wakelin for the WBC title. Stephen's from England. So I uh, had a weekend away, went up to watch them. Um, on the day, I heard that Carla and Nikki Carter's fight was cancelled because Nikki couldn't make weight. I think she was over or something. So they really wanted a female fight for the Sky Sports. So I stepped in last minute. I said, oh, I'll, I'll do it. I'd fought Carla before. I'd unfortunately lost. And so... I can remember thinking at the time, this is going to be so easy to say, no, I'm not going to do it because I haven't prepared correctly or whatever. And it was just something inside me. And I thought, I'm just going to give it a go. I'm going to be the underdog. What have I got to lose? It's a great show. I'm on the same card as Stephen Wakelin and John Wayne Parr. Let's do it. So I had nothing with me. I can remember I had to uh, borrow shorts, go and get a boy on the bag gum shield. <laughs> And uh, I jumped in and I, I beat her and it was an amazing feeling and also to be on Sky Sports quite early on in my career. So really that that was a major turning part mm -hmm. for me. What, when was that? Do you remember? That was 2006. Oh. Yeah, it was Wembley Fight Night in 2006. Yeah, uh, the show was called Ashes to Ashes. Why was that a major turning point and sort of what was going on at the time in terms of uh, female Muay Thai in the UK? Were there a lot of shows at the time? Um, I wouldn't say there's a lot of shows, uh, but it was definitely, if anyone knows, there was always a battle on the internet. Like we had forums and uh, at the time, Nathan, who's my husband and my coach, uh, he would always be known for arguing with people to try and get me onto the shows up country. So um, 
yeah, it was it's very hard. As I said, they would always say, how many tickets can you sell? Uh, what's you going to bring or whatever? And I felt when I showed my worth on this particular show in Wembley, people realized uh, not only did I have the skill, um, I kind of had the following as well because people was really interested in the fight. Uh, the commentators said great things about me as well. And then really from there, my career started to kick off. I started to get invites to fight further afield and abroad and then I had a winning span I think it's 21-22 fights of win 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 so people started to recognize me they had heard from my story that I only started later in my life and after having twin girls so this was a, a huge story as well especially to inspire females that you didn't have to start when you was young and I was stepping into the ring for the first time at the age of 22 23 and then as my career started to unfold and I was winning winning getting one title two titles defending it seemed unreal to me let alone other people what was it like uh being, I guess, thrust into the spotlight to some degree and, you know, being a role model for other people? Um, if For me, at that time, my first job was being a mum. So, mm. um, like Vinnie Shawman, he's a very good friend of mine and he's a mind coach. And I can remember him saying to me at the time, I had a very unique mind because of the way I deal with things. So, really, as soon as I left the gym... I could cut off thinking about my training. I was at home and I was as I was a mum, but I'd be dedicated to my training, like my diet, my commitment to training, to go out running was like 200%. But I could really, really cut off my mindset. Um, so what was it like having to be a role model and getting a lot of that media attention? Because, you know, you, you said, I guess you can compartmentalize pretty well but you know this is you know there's as you moved up in your career there's more and more layers put on you yeah correct um and that's that's where I was going with that like I, I didn't actually take it all in to be honest I used to do the the interviews um you know photo shoots and things I, I really didn't take a second thought of it my my main aim was to just train uh, I can remember when my coach used to say, right, we've got this title coming up. I didn't used to think about the title or where it would be. I just knew I had to go into training mode. And that's what I would do. I wouldn't overthink things. I wouldn't think too much about the the media. And then in time, um, when I started to teach seminars, um, I started to uh, be guest at events and doing displays and talking to people like, I can't tell you how really Muay Thai changed my life as a person, because as I said before, I was so shy and quiet. And all of a sudden, I was the person the eyes were on. I was the person they was asking questions to and I could answer them. So it definitely made me a lot more confident person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you now, your entire career is basically being in the spotlight to some degree, you know, you're a commentator, you're doing a lot of on air things. Uh, how does that feel now? And what sort of change do you think it's made besides just growing in confidence? 
I just absolutely love my job. I, I love where my life has taken me. I dedicate myself to my work. And actually looking back where my head is now and the experience I've had, I've like watched so many fights, hundreds and commentated them. My head is so much more knowledgeable and stronger than it was all those years back when I was fighting and I wish I could put my mind it is today with my body back then. And, uh, you know, I think, <laughs> I think I would have been amazing. <laughs> no, but you know, I, I just wish, um, yeah. I had the, I, I can't complain cause I, I done amazing and I reached as far as I could, could at the time being 14 times world champion, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you did have a very, very successful career and you had a lot of, you know, significant wins. Uh, you fought Angie Parr, you took a WBC title. Um, can you talk a little bit about, say, your mid-career, um, sort of when you're on the way up getting a lot of these belts? What were some of the most memorable bouts for you? Yeah, I used to go up and down in weight because uh, just to stay busy, basically. So I fought over five different weight categories. My lowest was 59 kilograms and I went up to 67 kilograms. So I would fluctuate with my weight. Um, just basically, I and I always accepted fights. I wouldn't duck anyone. So I can remember early in my career, I fought Karen Lynch. She was from New Zealand. We had um, We actually fought each other twice. And I can remember fighting her in London in, um, yeah, Muay Thai. And I can just remember coming out of that fight thinking, wow, I so enjoyed that. It was a real chess game with elbows. We was really getting involved. Like that's one fight I really remember enjoying. And she had great technique as well. Um, higher up in the weight categories was Natalie Fuzz from USA. I fought her a few times, um, once in England, once twice in USA. We fought three times actually. Uh, she was a tough opponent. Uh, she was obviously coming down to 67 and I was standing on the scales a little bit lighter than that. But she was always, um, yeah, you know, a, a challenge, being a little bit heavier. So I enjoyed that. Chantal Ugi was a, a name at the time. I fought her in the MBK Stadium in Bangkok. I took a win over her. Claire Haig was another tough opponent. I fought her actually on the King's birthday in Thailand, which was an amazing experience. Anyone who's ever attended the, the King's birthday, there's thousands and thousands of people there. That really, really stood in my mind and like an achievement because not many females would fight on the King's birthday. So I was really privileged to be invited to fight there. And during these time were there a lot of female fights what was going on in the UK in terms of Muay Thai yeah I mean we had strong, some strong girls like um at the time Nikki Carter I fought her she she come and went Bernice Aldis um yeah I fought also Cherie Halliday she was another fighter from London doing very well so it was more kind of local English shows and then um yeah and then I started to travel abroad and face the the best females from the other countries I remember I fought Kerry Ferrer at the time she was married to Brendan Ferrer that was a really nice match as well um because she had just been in a reality show like in the house with Master Toddy and everyone 
And that was a, a good win for me over her as well. So with these international matches, were do you feel like uh, the sport was growing in popularity or was it still pretty niche? Uh, I believe it was growing. It's a sport that I've seen over my time in the sport every year it's been growing. Um, yeah, I just, for the females, it was definitely harder for them to get on the shows because it was a very male driven sport and I think over the time since I've started over my 22 23 years now it's been a major breakthrough of of course you can see the the females on the UFC the respect the the purse money they get is it's just amazing to see and I do feel that I know it's happening long before me and there's other great names but I do feel that I did open a pathway and had that advertising for the females. One, because of my story, how I started late. I inspired other females that they could start training after they had children. It's not the end of your life. You have to stay in and, you know, be a mum. Uh, I used to get so many messages. And for me at the time, it was just so nice to hear from other females to say, you've inspired me. I've decided to go to the gym. What do you suggest? Like for me, that was that was really worthwhile to know that I've inspired others. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you feel like there was a certain point where sort of female combat athletes really exploded? And why do you think that happened? Uh, I wouldn't pinpoint it to to like one show or one year, to be honest. It's been a gradual widening of the path for the females it's just yeah I can't I can't really pinpoint and like at the time uh, I fought Jermaine Randami look at her now she's in the UFC she's doing amazing um Shishenko as well the the female she was on the same shows as me so I think it's been a steady pace and it's just the perseverance of the females and also it's the shows giving females opportunities such as the UFC um, Infusion, who I work with, they always have female bouts. The Infusion Cage events, um, which I'm part of as well, we're always promoting. We started off having a, just a female section, so we'd put like four back-to-back female fights to start with to you know, just let the females have that chance to be on the big stage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then shifting a little back towards uh, your career, can you talk a little bit about your later career and what that was like and how you felt about it? My later career wasn't as strong as my midsection of my career. Um, and my personal circumstances, uh, mm-hmm. I had some things going on in my family, so I wouldn't say that my mind was 100% there. So I had a, a couple of tough fights. Um, one, I'd say Miriam Nakamoto, uh, which I absolutely hate saying I lost, but I can say, and I remember mm-hmm. people saying at the time, they could see it on my face, something just wasn't up. Even people who didn't know me and they looked at photos and, oh, something wasn't wrong with her. Um, so I, I can explain if you're not a fighter like your mindset is so much as well as your physical side like physically I would have been ready but 
100% mindset. I wasn't there. You know, I I don't know if I had the drive to win. And I was so, so close in winning that fight. And unfortunately, I didn't take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was in 2012 or so. Uh, and you had one more bout after that. Yes. What um, What was going on? I guess in the UK at the time. So you were sort of training for these last couple bouts and then you came over for them. Um, How was touch gloves doing? What was sort of going on? Yeah. I mean, uh, touch gloves in the, the small town where it was based was thriving, really thriving. A lot of people as they do in the sport, they train just for fitness. Um, they train, it's a, it's just an amazing community. If you can join a, a kickboxing or a Muay Thai gym, you become more than, um, just a student. It becomes a family. And I've visited so many gyms across the world and you feel that wherever you go, it's, it's the amazing friendships that you bond students with their coaches you're not just their coach you can become their basically like social worker you can hear all about their stories especially if you're you know with your fighters you learn what's happening in their life their personal life you need to understand one another so it's a very special bond between a coach and a fighter or a coach and students but the uh, scene in UK, the gyms were thriving, uh, lots of um, students coming through, lots of new fighters popping up, male, female, next generations coming through, looking stronger and stronger. So I would say the Muay Thai scene in England has always been thriving, more so than the kickboxing scene in England. Uh, I always see England as more Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. And before you mentioned uh, that you done seminars um and we're traveling a bit um i assume when you were fighting after the fight seminars what did you experience in those seminars and what did you get to see uh meeting people uh i done a course of seminars in the usa um in san diego just amazing people meeting students people really hungry to learn the sport always asking questions, wanting to learn more, to hear about experiences, um, my personal experience. Whenever I'd done seminars, I would always say it was 50-50 male students and female students, so it was always a nice mixed mix. Uh, sometimes I'd do just like the junior side. So I, I really felt my passion was especially teaching females and I really enjoy teaching juniors because then the next generation as well. And of course, the males, you know, I was always training, sparring with the guys because I thought if I can deal with the, the guys, then when it comes to fighting females, hopefully it will be a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, and then so after you retired from actively fighting, you quickly moved into uh, other work in the sport, correct? Yeah, well, uh, part of my career, I was first invited to Infusion Reality Show, where I was a coach, um, one of the female coaches, it was four of us. So I had a team of heavyweight male fighters. So I coached them, uh, we done challenges together, I coached them on fight night. And uh, the CEO, Edwin Van Os of Infusion, he, he liked 
how I was coaching people, how I came across on camera, and I was invited back the next time to host the next Infusion reality. So I went back as a host. So I had a whole new different role, which was really nice to be on the outside of it because I could like understand it, ask some questions. It was just really, really nice. And then from there, um, they asked me to stay and I became part of the Infusion team, helping to organize the shows, um, a lot of the background stuff. And then I started to commentate alongside Finney Shawman, which I've learned a lot from and had amazing shows sat next to him. He's uh, very knowledgeable, very funny. And now I think commentating is one of my favorite parts of the job. Mm -hmm. And just in terms of a timeline, when did you first uh, do that reality TV show where you were coaching? I think it must have been... 2011 I think it was 2010 mm -hmm. 2011 and was that out here in Thailand in Koh Samui yeah that's right it was at Super Pro in Koh Samui mm -hmm. yeah and they they've had you know a run of uh infusion reality shows out of uh Super Pro correct yes yeah yeah we've done many now so mm -hmm. um I think our last one was number six yes Mm. Yes. And we've got a documentary scheduled for the end of this year. So it's a little bit different. It's not so much reality, but it's more a documentary on the the fighters and background. Mm. And what has it been like shifting into, I guess, two questions uh, is shifting into more of the production side of things. And then later I want to talk about the commentary. Yeah, I find myself very blessed that I can still be in the sport because there's so many of us that are fighters and whatever and when your career comes to an end for whatever reason many goes off in different paths whereas my path has stayed on the sport and even got even stronger and for me to I fell, fell into this position as such. And yeah, I'm very much to do with the behind the scenes organizing. And it's like anything, you can start somewhere at the beginning and you learn step by step and each section. It's like learning how to fight. You can't just go and fight. You have to learn how to block. You have to learn how to attack, how to your footwork. So it's learning all the little different areas. And I just... I love to learn and I love to improve myself and become more knowledgeable. And I like a clear understanding. So every step of the way, so now I can understand a little bit on the background of the organization of the show, um, of how the production side works. And I just find it all fascinating. As always, if you'd like to follow me, you can do so on Instagram, Matt Lucas Muay Thai. I always respond to messages there. I also have the website, matt-lucas.com, or email me at a.matt.lucas at gmail.com. Thanks to all the people that have supported me so far, sharing the podcast, leaving reviews. If you'd like to leave a review, that would be super helpful. You can do so on the iTunes stores. After years of hard work, studying, and being in the game, I publish I'm Fighting in Thailand, a guide to the sport in the motherland. is a Muay Thai encyclopedia. It goes over scoring, matchmaking, picking gym, fight styles, gambling, Muay Thai culture, and more. It contains a series of interviews with long-term expat fighters, 
including Michael Savas, Willie Whipple, Lisa Brealey, Angela Chang, and others. It is a great guide, educates and helps guide careers by helping safe fighters from costly mistakes. It is a definitive guide and is available on Amazon as an ebook and in print. So go check it out. I'm fighting in Thailand, a guide to the sport in the motherlands. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it's difficult and complicated and takes a fair amount of time to learn as well. Um, why, why do you think that you fell into it? Why do you think the CEO um, of Infusion liked the way you came across or what do you think you presented? Uh, I think the way that I presented myself as an overall person, um, my attitude, I was very humble. I didn't, as I was saying, as you, I worked my way through the ranks and I became 40 times world champion. Even to say that always became unreal. When I was talking about myself, it just didn't seem real, although I had achieved it. Um, and as I said, it doesn't matter even whatever I've done in my life, whether it was my work before fighting or the fighting or now, I always put on my fight training 200% into it. So I always think if you're going to do something, it's no point doing it half-hearted. You have to go 100%. And that is my attitude in anything I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And you've so you've been working with Infusion for quite some time now, almost eight, nine years, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. And how has Infusion grown uh, the sport and the UK and in the world? Uh, well, they've held many shows. We Last weekend, we actually done our 101 show. So uh, to reach the 100 mark was amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're holding shows all in different countries. And another massive step was for me is that I started to promote the shows in Abu Dhabi. So I'm now on my, I think it's the fifth or sixth show we're hoping to have in November the 12th. And that was like another stepping stone for me is promoting. So obviously I've done smaller shows in the past, but when you're dealing with a big production, there's so much more to think about. And also being in Abu Dhabi, we have a great sponsor, Al Shira Stables, couldn't do it without them. But it's a lot more to think about. You have to fly all the opponents in, uh, obviously, you know, the background things like visas, hotels. It was a lot much more on my plate. But again, I'd say at the beginning it was very hard because it was a learning curve, but I just loved it. And I can remember looking at, at the event thinking, wow, we've created this. This is amazing. And I felt kind of proud, especially after the event had finished, when all the stress had gone, to look back and think, well, you know, it's another great achievement. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's always impressive pulling off any events, um, you know, especially in a foreign country. Do you feel like your background in commentating for Infusion helped you with matchmaking and other promotional aspects of the show? Yeah, for sure. And that's what I'm saying. It's good to understand every section within the sport because it gives you um, an overall view, doesn't it? And being a promoter, I could remember back when I was fighting and 
I would do little touches, just making sure that there was food in the changing rooms, mm. like um, good fuel, fueling food, just small touches. I would think if I was a fighter, I would appreciate that. So I would think from the mm. fighter side and the promoter side. Yeah. So going into the commentary, um, how you said that after that first uh, season where you were coaching the reality show, you start commentating. Yes. Uh, what was that like? And um, are you still, you're still commentating as well, correct? Yes, I am. Yes, uh, I do all the shows. Uh, well, I originally went back, I started hosting the show. And then um, because the reality show started before actual infusion show started the first one was 2012 in Belgium so I was invited the first time to commentate there it was alongside Finney Shawman and Kieran Kedle at the time so it was three of us and yeah since then I've only missed a few shows because of my work in Abu Dhabi which I haven't been able to attend but yeah otherwise I'm like a resident commentator for them what do you like about commentating and what? how would you characterize yourself as a commentator? What I love about it is really, for me, the next best, best thing to fight in. So when you first retire, for me, it was extremely hard. I kept having the feeling I wanted to go back in the ring and, and compete. But being I'm sat ringside next to the ring, you can smell the tire oil on the fighters. You can smell the atmosphere, uh, the adrenaline, and you're right next to the action. So I can't get in the ring anymore, but I've got the next best thing. Um, I understand how the, the fighters think. You can tell by their reactions in the ring or, or their movement. So my past experience has definitely given me a huge experience start in the commentating, obviously, took a while for me to get confident in talking and using it in a different way but I think during commentary that is something I can give to the people so my past experience um, my thoughts on what a fighter should be doing or what they shouldn't be doing and the overall view of the sport yeah and you've obviously commentated on quite a number of shows I would assume like 60 or more yeah, well, like I said, we've just reached 100 on Infusion. So we've done 100 Infusion, their live shows. Apart from that, we have Infusion talent shows. So Infusion, Infusion's like really for the more experienced top mm -hmm, fighters mm -hmm. where we have the, the belts fought for. Then we have Infusion talents. They're the upcoming talents. Uh, so we've had 84 of those shows. Oh, wow. And then we have rookie shows underneath. So they're, this is the stepping stone for the beginners to go onto a platform. And we've had hundreds, thousands of those fights. Yeah. So, yeah, I've done a lot. And now we have Infusion Cage events. Mm -hmm. So this is something new for me because we do have MMA included in this. Mm -hmm. So I'm the the stand-up expert commentator for ECE. And then we always have a special guest on uh, who specialized in the MMA as yeah. well. I mean, with that many shows, are you commentating almost every weekend? Uh, well, I mean, it's been a process. So it's been since 2012. Right. Uh, there's been some years where we've had a lot of shows. Sometimes they can be back-to-back. -back. So 
because we've just had the break of the COVID, mm-hmm. we've had, this is our third weekend of a show. So it's been continuous mm-hmm. shows week mm-hmm. by week, which is a lot of work. And it's our youngest promoter, Michael Vanos. He's organizing it. And you, normally you turn up to a show and you have no second thoughts, but there's a lot of arrangements that need doing. Mm-hmm. And to have them back to back per week, it's, um, yeah, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I bet. A lot of travel, a lot of work. Um, what, you know, since you've started commentating, what have you seen in terms of the growth of the fighters? Have they changed that much in terms of style or demographics? Well, I would say they're getting hungrier. They're getting more skillful. The Every time you see a new generation come in, they kind of blow you away. Um, Infusion's had a real mixture. So we've had like the old star names such as Andy Sauer before. Um, you know, the, there's been many past names that have come up and then they fight the new upcoming generations like uh, Typhoon Oscar and he's been an amazing success through Infusion. Um, he's still under Infusion management, but now he's gone to one championship. Um and lots of names coming up. I just get blown away from from them. You know, like last weekend, there's names. We, we had a four-man tournament where the winner secures their place in the ECE documentary later in the year. And it's this one guy, Brandon Foss. I hadn't seen him before. I'd done some research. And he just blew me away. He ended up winning. Um, his determination to win the fight, he just fought his heart out you know and every time we have a show it just blows my mind how much dedication these up-and-coming fighters have Mm. and obviously you've worked with Vinny Shorman for a long time as well um what have you learned from working with him and you know what sort of things has he taught you yeah, well, Vinny's a personal friend as well. And I first met him at the first ever Infusion reality I was on. Um, at the time, yeah, I thought he was a very funny guy indeed. Um, and actually, he had been to our gym previously for that, for a mind coaching seminar. And that's where I first met him and started to speak to him. So we had that connection. And then uh, during the Infusion events and then... I knew I was going to commentate alongside him. We started to see each other more often, obviously before and after the shows. And sitting next to him and talking to him, I learned so much. Vinny used to commentate for Showtime, so before Infusion. So that was a a major brand. They had massive shows with thousands and thousands, one time in Amsterdam Arena with a crazy amount of spectators. And, yeah, Vinny, he's, he was a pro at it. So to sit next to him and learn each show, I've, I've probably got some of his traits in me now. And, yeah, I'm proud to say that I've sat next to him and will do in the future mm. commentating. And then, um, of course, you also have Amber, one of your uh, two daughters, fighting regularly. What has that been like and what has her career been like? Um, Well, both my daughters, when they were younger, they both used to compete at junior level. They Because I started 
my career so early on when they was young they grew up in the gym we used to take them in the evenings they would uh, run around as they get older start to do their homework in the gym and it, it became basically their second home uh, they got on well with all the students it, it was a really nice family um, atmosphere and then they started to train in the children's classes and then they'd start practicing when I would go in to do my separate training. So at a young age, they was quite talented. Uh, they started to compete in junior competitions, both of them, which they done really well. And um, I think it was Amber reached world champion, Alea European champion. And that's with body armor. So in England, they would do no head contact body armor. And then as they reached their teenage ages, they had a little bit of time off. And then Amber came back, or they both came back to training, but Amber wanted to carry on her fight career. So uh, she'd done some fights locally. Amber fought on Infusion a few times and then signed up to one championship. So unfortunately, with COVID, she's only had one fight. She had two matches, one against... Um, Supergirl from Fairtex and Jackie Bunton, and these both postponed because of COVID. So, and it's been some time now. So she's been out of the ring for quite some time. Um, yeah. So I don't know when she'll be back in. Yeah, but she's still relatively young as well. She's twenty-two or so. Yeah, she's twenty-two. Twenty-two. Which is yeah. Basically, when you started your career. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, she's achieved so much already. Yeah. What What is that like? How do you feel about that? Um. My first thing is I'm extremely proud of her, or I'm ex I'm proud of both my daughters. But you know what it takes, and to be at 22 and she's achieved so much already, I think she's got a very very bright future. And um, yeah. You know, it, it's hard. She's just started training with Bad Company in Leeds, where Liam Harrison is from. Um, um, Richard Smith is the, the head coach, and it's quite far. It's like a seven-hour drive Ooh, that's from far. Amber's home. But Amber's the manager of Touch Gloves Gym. So I, when I was fight training, I was teaching as well and managing the gym, and she hasn't got so many people at a higher level to spar with she's got sparring partners but she if she wants to go to that next level she needs to be surrounded with people like-minded uh, on the same journey as her and she visited bad company and she just fell in love with it up there they they're a great team they're a friendly team they train super hard and uh amber was looking really good for her last fight and she uh liam harrison they were both on the same show, so they were due to travel together. And unfortunately, the show didn't go ahead because of COVID. But I'm very excited for when Amber can get back in the ring and, you know, carry on her training up there with them. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, one, one of the things you pointed out earlier was how it was difficult for you at the time to find sparring partners or even to, you know, find opponents and having yes. to travel. I mean, now it's seven hours but before you know more in the main time of your career i assume it was even further yeah yeah definitely it was yeah i'd done some trips out to america for my training as well 
but it's um to have a strong team around you and the right people is a, a massive thing and you know amber sometimes thinks about maybe moving away but she's she's got to weigh things up and at the moment she's not very busy with her her fighting so mm-hmm. yeah she has to weigh things up how it should be yeah it's always pros and cons of everything and right now the world is all up in the mix that's right yeah and she's doing a great job of running touch gloves gym it's thriving mm-hmm. so yeah she's she's putting her time into that as well as keeping ticking over with her training yeah so just sort of an overview or a few more questions. Um, how do you think the sport in Muay Thai has grown since, you know, you started and now you have a successful post-fight career? What sort of big changes do you think there's been? It's definitely, like, wider accessible. So you have the the big share. Obviously, UFC is massive. Uh, that's more MMA. Uh, one championship over the years has grown. It's huge a lot of people follow and look at that um we have obviously infusion where we're giving fighters massive opportunities so i think on the biggest stage of things there is more openings for the fighters but at the same time there's more and more fighters coming through the system and people wanting to reach the top so that's where it's important where the smaller shows keep going and giving people opportunities and I mean, Muay Thai and kickboxing, it, it's a never-ending growing sport, but there's still many people out in the world who we can reach, I believe. Like, there's still a huge section of people that haven't had a taster of it yet, and I hope this sport can keep evolving and growing, and I hope we can keep inspiring the younger generations to stay with it and enjoy this beautiful sport Mm -hmm. um and then you have a post-fight career um which is like you said before is a little unusual um or not as many people end up being able to walk down that path do you see the post-fight career options growing and uh, what is it like to have a career in the sport still that is not, you know, solely, you know, running a gym? Yeah, um, I find myself in a very unique situation. Um, I do teaching in Abu Dhabi. I promote my shows in Abu Dhabi, so I'm based there a lot with amazing people. Uh, I'm in one of the biggest kickboxing organizations, Um I'm a stockholder in the ECE side, the Infusion Cage event side. Um, we have lots going on, which will involve um, soon as well. So, yeah, I, I find myself very, very lucky as well as it's not always about luck. It's the work you put in as well to be within the sport and having the opportunities that I have. And it gives me travel. It gives me meeting new people. It gives me yeah so so many things i can't even explain yeah you know obviously it is a combination of luck and work but you know you obviously have worked hard what sort of work do you think you've put in specifically to get to this point i mean i, I i'm sure every fighter does the same they put in 100 percent, but sometimes you just need a little bit of extra so you can put in 100 percent of your training 
it's just not going home at the end of the day. Like I said, I started my career and shutting the door on it. You have to keep working. Uh, you have to keep researching. You have to have a bigger vision of what you want or a different paths you can take as well. Like I say, I'm very, very fortunate. I have an uh, amazing contact in Abu Dhabi. I work for a company who also runs... Um, it's called Al Shearer Stables, and they're a very professional company that deals with horses, so horse jumping, horse racing. And so I'm around like-minded vision people who want to expand and achieve the best. And I think you always see it in quotes, but if you surround yourself in like-minded people with a, a vision to do well, it will help you on your way. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, wrapping things up, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to touch on? No, I think we, we've covered everything. Um, yeah, I just uh, I wish everyone who's in the sport uh, good luck and the best that they can do. And to the younger generations, stay at it. Dreams do come true. If you have a vision, go for it. And... Um, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> Great. And where can people follow you um, if they are interested in doing so? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, uh, Judy Kitchen, and Facebook, Judy Kitchen UK. Great. Well, thank you so much, Julie. I really appreciate you taking your time out. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. So that was a great interview with Kitchen. I really appreciated her taking her time out. She's obviously very busy. You know, the number of shows that Fusion is doing is quite a lot. And even now she's doing shows in Abu Dhabi. And when I talked to her the other day, she was in Holland. Also, you know, moving back and forth in the UK so definitely a very very busy and successful lady so definitely appreciate her and her time out she's also accomplished a lot in her career you know taking a lot of the opportunities that came her way and it's obviously paid off you know she like we talked about in the episode she has a successful post fight career that is in the sport which doesn't really happen to a lot of people but is happening more and more and we need to figure out how we can offer those opportunities to more people and how we can create more opportunities for people to develop post-fight. This I think will lead to you know just greater growth in the sport as people that have participated in the sport are able to continue to grow the infrastructure. Julie said, you know, she's been in the ring, so she knows to an extent what, how the fighters are feeling, which makes her a better commentator. It also potentially makes her a better uh, show producer and organizer. So definitely really appreciate the talk. Um, as always, you can follow me on Instagram, I have recently started doing a new bi-weekly newsletter. It's an email newsletter. You can DM me on Instagram or contact me via email a period matt period lucas at gmail.com to get on that. Right now I'm keeping it relatively small, just getting the wheels going with it. Thank you so much. 
The show was edited by Effie Ceruti. You can find me on Instagram at Effie underscore FC or on Facebook at Effie Ceruti.